Hello, and welcome back to Pride Month on Exhaling Words. My name is Aaron, and I'm your host. And for those of you who don't know or are listening to this episode very far in the future, it is currently Pride 2021, and I'm doing a series of special episodes focused around being queer and being a language learner. And this week's episode is even more special than the other ones I've done. For those of you who don't know, um, I'm good friends with another uh, content creator on Instagram named Marissa. Uh, Their at handle is at Multilingual Marissa. And she and I have been working together this month to uh, do some different Pride content for you all, which you can find on Instagram. And today for this episode, I wanted to talk to her about a project that they've been doing um, over the past several months, along with the help of... uh, (laughs) <laughs> our friend who we've been calling the data witch uh, Candace who's at handle is at v.far.cse um, who is uh, she's studying Farsi and yeah I don't want to give a lot of spoilers but um, today we're talking about queerness and the language learning community and um, being part of the community and being queer Uh, Before we recorded this episode, we actually did an Instagram live together on Marissa's Instagram where we talked about queer-centered spaces and and being part of the language community and our experiences as queer people within the language learning community. So if you're interested in watching that, and honestly you really should, it was a lot of fun and the people in the chat were great and we just had a really good time with them. Uh, You can go to Marissa's Instagram, which is at multilingualmarissa go to their IGTV section. And if you're listening relatively soon, it should be like the very first video there. If not, scroll back and find it. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy what we've done for you today. Uh, This week's episode is kind of long. I I will apologize in advance for that. Uh, It comes out to about an hour and a half of just Marissa and I talking. Part of that is just because there was a lot to talk about and it's a special episode, so I thought it was okay. Part of it is also because I didn't want to edit too too much um obviously i cut out big pauses i cut out a couple things where we sort of went off on a tangent and wasn't really necessary but for the most part this wasn't an interview in sort of a traditional sense that a lot of podcasts do this is me hanging out with a friend who also does a lot of cool language learning stuff on the internet and us just talking about a project that they're doing and i wanted you to really be a part of it as if you were there with us so the conversation is very organic it's just us talking and joking around. There's a couple tangents here and there that I left in because they're kind of amusing or they're useful about other things. And uh, also, I will just point out now that this audio was recorded via Zoom. I think that the quality is pretty good. There's a couple spots where you'll hear like a pop or a fizz or something that I couldn't edit out uh, just perfectly for you. And there's a few moments where Marissa's voice is sort of drops slightly but overall I think the quality is quite good so you shouldn't have too much of a problem but you might want to turn up your volume a little bit and yeah so get a coffee go for a walk get on the treadmill or something you know do whatever you want to do for the next 90 minutes and come hang out with us so today I have with me Marissa from multilingual Marissa I'm sure you guys have uh heard me talk about them before because Let's just be honest. She's the creative genius, you know, behind all of my graphics and everything and pretty much like my go-to for everything via this podcast. So please welcome her, Marissa. You can say hi to everyone. Hey, I'm 
super excited to be here. I cannot believe I am the first guest on your podcast. This is the most, and I'm so excited. I remember when I was first like pitching this idea to you, you were the person that I talked to about like this podcast and what I wanted to do and what I wanted it to be. And one of the things I explicitly said was like, I don't want to do guests. I don't want to do interviews. I really just and want to be like, you. talking. I know. And you yeah, I was this. like, yeah, don't do it then. Do whatever you want. Follow your heart. And here I am. <laughs> exactly. We're like 20 episodes in and I already have you on. That being said, however, I don't want this to be like, you know, an interview. And let me ask you about what you do. And let's no. start like, we're just going to sit and chat and Kiki. I'm going to drink my coffee. It's a little bit too late in the day for you to have your coffee. That's fine. Yeah. But um. We're just going to hang out and talk about some stuff. So why don't we start with, I mean, just who are you? Because I think a lot of people who follow me also follow you because we we often share each other's stuff. But just in yeah. case some listeners aren't aware, could you give us a little introduction to you? For sure. So I'm Marissa. I am Polish-American. Uh, I'm also multilingual. And I speak English as my primary language, Polish as a heritage language, a handful of others. And so I make content primarily for other heritage language learners. Um, and I do that on my blog, which is relearnalanguage.com. But most notoriously, I also make memes on Instagram. And that's where <laughs> most people know me from. And yeah, I'm also a queer person. And that is generally not centered in the language work that I do. But you and I have been talking for a number of months now about doing Pride Month together. Uh, and so here, here we are. Um, as a part of this, I, I really love giving free information to people. I love creating great content. I work in marketing and it's still a passion of mine after years and years in the field is just putting together awesome resources, articles, blog posts, whatever. Uh, and one of the things I thought about doing last winter was putting together a giant survey of language learners, which is very marketing brain, but mm -hmm. I figured would be really helpful for everybody in the community since, especially as a person, assigned female at birth, as a queer person, as a heritage language learner, I find that there's often not a lot of information that serves people like me. And so I figured, why not? I'll be the one to do it. And we'll do it the first release of info just in time for Pride Month. And I mean, I'm just super grateful for the fact that you'd be willing to share that information with me. Yeah. I feel like there's so many ways, like when people do surveys like this and big stuff, they always want to do this big release and talk to content creators. And I mean, I know that's on your like to-do list. Yeah. But I also kind of like the fact that like, you know, you and I have been talking about this. We've talked about a lot of these topics privately, just not even survey related, but just between ourselves. How do we feel about the community, our experiences mm -hmm. and whatnot? Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it just really feels sort of natural to them be like, hey, let's sort of talk about what the community has actually said about itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is the first time I'm talking with the data about the data with anyone outside of Candace, who is my co-researcher. Candace is absolutely magic, my data witch. Uh, and they've been extremely helpful, but besides Candace, I've, I've not talked to anybody about it. So this is the first sneak peek of this. And like you said, it's organic, we're friends. We talk all the time, we're study buddies, we're sometimes exchange partners. And that's one of the things I love about the communities. I don't, I personally don't feel the need to involve corporations or big names or anybody especially with work like this, I think it can be a lot more organic and, and real and, and serve us just as well, if not better. Oh, 100%. And I think honestly, like that's sort of what makes or has made our friendship work is like we both are content creators in different ways. And we both like sort of 
doing stuff for the sake of doing it and doing stuff for the sake of like people getting that information out there and not just about the business side of it. Um, But we both also have very sort of similar but different backgrounds and experiences as queer folk and as women. And so I don't know, I'm I'm super excited for today because you and I chat all the time, just like on the phone and in Instagram and stuff. So this is more fun to do it in person for everybody else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so to talk about everybody else in the survey really quick, basically what we did, if people didn't take the survey, they're not familiar with it, is on International Women's Day a few months ago, we released the survey into the world. And it was honestly, like, like what we're doing right here, it was so grassroots. I let a couple friends know, I threw it out there, and then it just went off like wildfire. It had over 100 shares. We had people from all corners of the internet. We had people messaging me who I'd never met before telling me this was amazing. People messaging me telling me they hated it. There was <laughs> there was an, just an explosion of enthusiasm um, and it was shared like, I can't even explain. I was just, I was stunned. And eventually we finally cut it off at 2,600 people. So we surveyed 2,600 language learners about all sorts of things. Uh, and it was, it was totally organic. It, there was no marketing behind it. There was no university behind it there was no brand behind it it's just we need this nobody else is doing it all right let's we're just going to do this ourselves uh and i love that energy like i just uh, it's like an it's the autodidact energy of research i think it's just so cool yes well and honestly like that's that's a really good sort of organic result because I mean, I remember when when you guys released this and a bunch of us went out where we like I was one of the people who helped put it in Facebook groups and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were just sharing it across pages. Yeah. And I mean, you have a lot of followers. I have a lot of followers. You significantly more than me. But sometimes like we put out polls and questions and stories and try to get interaction. Mm-hmm. And you might at best get like a couple hundred sort of responses, even when you have thousands of followers. And so yeah. for a survey like this to just go 100% organically throughout the internet and get that many people like that, I mean, that really says something about the interest of the people involved and like who wants to sort of be a part of our community and and sort of take part in the actual survey process. Absolutely, yeah. The people who shared it, some of them, um, Heather from Futures Bilingual, she's a mom to some uh, multilingual kids. We have very little in common. We're good friends. We have very little in common. And she was sharing it on these mom Facebook groups where I would never be. Um, you know, Kirsten Cable shared it on her podcast. We had people upvoting it like mad on Reddit, including some people who were like, I'm angry. I think this is dumb. I'm upvoting it because I want people to agree with me that this is dumb. Like it was so <laughs> diverse. Richard Simcott sent it out to the Polygon conference. I mean, I just cannot get over how fantastic people sisters only language sent it out like it was it was really really lovely the people who were i who just who have such different experiences in life and in languages than i do getting behind it i i i still am just like i just i don't know i stutter when i think about it because it really <laughs> it really was an amazing amazing project when we got it going yeah and that's I mean it is it's just it's it's been really awesome to see it sort of like happen and watch some of your updates on it and um so like personally I'm super excited to get into some of the results I know you and I have talked about what some of the questions are and these are things that you and I have discussed sort of privately just like you know kicking around online but I have not seen the results this is 100% blind this is only you and and Candace whom we stand and is amazing (laughs) you two you two have seen all this um 
So what we're going to do today is Marissa's going to read me one of the questions. And, and I, I partook in the survey, but obviously I'm one of, you know, 2,600 people. So I'm going to be reminded of the questions. I'm going to give what I think sort of the numerical results were or, or where sort of the question really leaned one way or the other in terms of how people responded. And then Marissa's going to reveal you know, have a big reveal and give us sort of what the actual response was. And then we're just going to try to pull that apart, you know, just as people, less, you yeah. know, as statisticians and and and, yeah. and researchers, but just as two individuals, two queer women who are very active in our community, sort of what is our take on this as we see these results? Yeah, and I think a lot of this is also going to open itself up to even more questions. And I look forward to also throwing out more questions that we have that the data hasn't answered or that hasn't been asked. So if anybody's listening, if you love this, more results will be coming out, but I also would implore everybody to keep asking more questions, keep looking for results, um, because I definitely hope that this is the beginning of a much broader and more exciting conversation uh, than, than what we're doing here. Oh yeah, totally. I think I think there's a lot to be done still in terms of understanding our community, its demographics, the full extent of its diversity. And so I really, yeah, I think you're right. This is just sort of, this is just the first sort of pebble in a much larger sort of project. So yeah, are you ready? You ready to go, go into so this? First, yeah, so first I'm just gonna give you a couple of little background initial findings and they're just gonna help ground us so that, you know, because we're an international community, because we have everybody from every age, every background, I wanted to at least get a, an idea of who participated in this and that we, we have a social, political, economic context for the queer stuff we're gonna do. Awesome. <clears throat> so let's start with uh, where people are from. So the I'm also reading this. <laughs> All of this information <laughs> will be available through a link, which I believe Aaron will put in the description so people can mm -hmm. view these items later if they want. Um, but right now I am reading this from the report that we finished putting together. So for participants, around three-fourths of them were from the U.S., Canada, or Europe. So that is maybe reflective of the community, that is maybe reflective of who's online. We know those are generally pretty linguistically homogenous groups in North America and Europe. Um, so just do know that is where a lot of people are coming from. Um, there is a Western context to this. Mm -hmm. It's also worth noting that the majority of people who participated are not hyperglots or polyglots, um, whereas other uh, other surveys, other examinations of who language learners are were really focused on hyperglots or polyglots. We gave people a ton of different labels to give themselves. They could pick uh, language dabbler, casual language learner, hobbyist, multilingual, polyglot, hyperglot, professional, I don't know, um, and a relatively small percentage said polyglot or hyperglot. And that's also reflective of the different skill levels people have. So in our community, there's everybody from who speaks maybe one language and then has a bunch of languages that they dabble in. Maybe they are a hyperglot and they're speaking two dozen languages fluently, but really everybody is all over the spectrum. So I just wanna make sure that as we're going through this data, people know that we're not just looking for one type of language learner. We're looking for anybody who's engaging online, who learns languages to some extent, and yeah, that's the that's the the reach of this net. Okay, I think that's like, 
I mean, if I can, if we can pause for a second before sure. we get into the questions, I find the 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 sort of choice of self labeling like really interesting. I remember answering that question and thinking about like it really puts into perspective like how do we identify ourselves, and and even sometimes some of that changes. Like my at handle is Polyglot Aaron, but that's sort of something that I picked like seven eight years ago now at this point, and very much now like I'm okay with the word polyglot, but. I think it's less of my identity and it, it might have actually honestly probably come out of a place of maybe for lack of a better phrase like maleness driven uh self-confidence that I <laughs> might not have in the mm, same way interesting, anymore interesting. um well no but I think I think it also it points to a question of sort of who was the audience previously in other surveys that are done because I think a lot of people in our community now especially when I think of women when I think of queer people like we don't always use the term polyglot and especially not hyper polyglot. We're far more hesitant to really think about using these terms. Um, and so if somebody said like, this is a survey for hyper polyglots, like who's really going to respond to that? Only a specific sort of group. And so I, I remember seeing that question and going like, this is interesting because I think this opens the door to so many more people who are part of our community that might not be comfortable with those words. Because those are things that I get all the time, like in my DMs is questions of, well, I only really speak one language, but I, I just love language as a concept. And I love studying language and learning about stuff. Am I still a polyglot? Am I still in the polyglot community? Yes, of course. Yes, absolutely. But, yeah, and I but previous that's... surveys didn't focus those people. Yes, exactly. And I think it's also important to say, and this is something that, again, you can read in this big report I'm putting together, that the previous surveys assumed or suggested that there was something special about polylots. And in my experience as a person in the language learning community, we are just a magical group of people. <laughs> we, <laughs> we just all have this special thing to us and I can't explain it. It's this curiosity and need to connect and just weird little drive and I think that they're instead of pulling us apart and saying, like, well, what makes certain people different or better than the rest of us? It's no, well, who are we as a group? I think that that, that unity is so much more important than seeing, you know, who is, I, I don't, I don't know why, what's what somebody's brain scans like when they, when they speak 20 languages, that's not it for me yeah. um, on this. Like, you know, we can actually, this isn't the gender sexuality thing. But let's just jump in at this point. So yeah. out of all of the people, this is we'll start, we'll start this the first question for you. Okay. Out of all of the people who answered the survey, what percentage do you think said they were a hyperglot? When asked the best label to describe me as a learner is what percentage said hyperglot? Oh Lord. Um <laughs> I'd imagine something small, like okay. even even in spaces where that term is is thrown out far more often, it's it's still not super common. So out of twenty six hundred people, I'd probably say you know you're looking at maybe less than fifty people or so. But I I I'm bad at math. Like no, I don't no, know no, what no, percentage that less is. Less than less than fifty people. Fifty people would be around one and a half percent. Um, and so you're saying a less than one and a half percent. Yeah, I'd say I'd say maybe there, maybe maybe just to give myself some leeway, we'll say less than two percent. <laughs> she got it. 20, oh Twenty-two people out of twenty-six hundred, so that's zero point eight percent said they were a hyperglot. Oh my goodness! And now, what do you? What percentage do you think said they were a polyglot? Out of all of the participants, who said they are a polyglot? I think I think polyglot as a word is far more acceptable like among people that the, the people are far more comfortable to use that so it's I'd say it's something higher 
-hmm. I don't even know if it would break a thousand though. We're probably still looking at less than 50%, maybe, maybe like 30 to 40%. Okay. 30 for 40%. Yeah. Something in there. 9.1%. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. So we're higher. Less than one out of every 10 people said polyglot or, and, or hyperglot. Wow. Uh, and considering how much you hear that word, right? Oh, totally. Like, I think especially in, in content marketing, so many people market themselves, individuals as a polyglot, but I've also heard teacher friends of mine say that, you know, some teacher friends of mine are polyglots. They have a polyglot package where they teach multiple languages in the same class mm-hmm. and they can just charge a ton of money because the word sells. But oh, very it is. It's few totally a buzzword. Yes, yes, but I mean, but why, actually, why do you think I use it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 and I, you know, it's interesting because I myself, I've always preferred the term multilingual mm-hmm. because I feel like my languages are just part of my life and I'm as multicultural as I am multilingual. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it the word polyglot really does sell and I often get asked if I'm a polyglot and I yes but also I don't care (laughs) so oh yeah that's definitely one of those words because yeah it does I just I've never thought about it being that low though like yes I know it's such it's such a big buzzword for the community that you're like oh just everybody would be because because I get that question too it's like are like am I a polyglot are you a polyglot or like how do you define a and I'm just like high stakes word yeah exactly yeah Huh. So, okay, okay, so here's a word. We're, we gotta get, we'll get to the queer stuff soon, I swear, but this, okay. is, this is so fun. So I'm going to give you all of the labels now. So when okay. I ask the best label to describe me as a learner is, and you can tell me which one you think is the most popular, okay? Okay. So we have language tabular, a casual language learner, a language hobbyist, multilingual, professional, or I don't know. And we also know polylot and hyperlot, those came out to less than 10%. So the remaining ones are dabbler, Casual language learner, hobbyist, multilingual, professional, I don't know. I would assume that most people with with either like casual or hobbyist. I think dabbling in our community has a very specific connotation, although although we use it a lot, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of us sort of think of this as a hobby. Like, especially like, I mean, and I'm somebody that like, this is my career. Like I, outside of doing online stuff, like I am a professional translator and language teacher. And so I use the word professional, but I think those of us that are actually like professionals and have built careers out of this, we're definitely the small minority. So I would go with, with probably like hobbyist or casual, probably casual more than hobbyist. Casual more than hobbyist? Yes. Well, you're really close. So okay. it was actually hobbyist, which okay. was, can you guess what percentage hobbyist would be? Oh, I'm, I'm assuming something big, probably like 60. Not 60, but it's four, I'm sorry, 38.2%. Okay. 38.2% right, said hobbyist. Um, and after that, the second biggest category was, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, because people all the time, they're like, I don't know what I am. Like, I, I like language. I like being here. I'm just here. Like it's Such a gender moment. Like, people are like, I'm like, I'm queer. They're like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what are your pronouns? Perfect. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes that's the right phrase. And I think especially yeah. both, both as queer people and as language learners, there are just so many labels sometimes. And sometimes just saying like, 
I don't know. Like, even as stupid as it sounds, people are like, how many languages do you speak? I don't know. <laughs> like, it depends on today. Today, my English sucked earlier. Like, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think that how could you describe your relationship with your your gender, your sexuality, your languages? How could you describe that in one word? It's so yeah. hard. Those words are going to fall short no matter no matter how close we try to get them. Oh, 100%. So a lot of what we did with the survey was focus on who feels part of the community, who feels like they're represented, and that's really what we sectioned off for our initial findings uh, and our key points about gender and sexuality. So as a whole, we'll just get back to the community as a whole before we split up anybody in any which way. Uh, we asked the question, do you consider yourself part of the language learning community? And now to be clear, all these people found the survey through the inner, some way, shape, or form, through the internet, through social, the overwhelming majority through social, some through podcasts, some through word of mouth, but the overwhelming majority through social media. So when we asked these 2,600 participants, do you consider yourself part of the language learning community? What percentage do you think said disagree and strongly disagree? Oof. At this point, I just like assuming that everything I think is wrong. So No, no, no. You were really um, close to the other ones. You were really good at the other ones. So, I mean, I think that as much as I think of myself as part of the community and I think of everybody I come into contact with as part of the community, I think there's a lot of doubt among people about, mm -hmm. oh, am I really? Because, and I mean, and I say this to be 100% honest, like in the most humble way possible, I've literally gotten messages of people being like, well, I'm not like you. And I'm like, yeah, so what if you're not me? I'm just yeah. a big nerd who yeah. just puts shit on the internet. Nobody has to be yeah. me. Nobody has to be Richard Simcott. Like nobody has to yeah. be, you know, people like, like there are people who only know one language and they're part of our community and that's great, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Absolutely. at the same time, I would totally expect there to be a high number of people that say that they don't feel like they're part of the community. I'd say like those two, are probably 50% of the answers? Close. It was just over one third of the answers, but another okay. third said neutral. So okay. if you're really looking it up, overall the communities is, or people who are interacting with the community, about a third, a little over a third said, I don't feel part of it. Mm -hmm. Around a third said neutral and a little under a third said, I do feel part of it. Yeah. That's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's not surprising yeah. as many as I think, I think sometimes the very sort of, you know, how loud voices drown out the majority yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I think those sort of like, it's the loud voices that use words like polyglot, hyper polyglot. And sometimes it's, you're right, it's marketing. It's not even our yeah. community members. And that makes people feel like they're not welcome or they're not involved or they're not part of us because they're not like what they're seeing in the loud voices and in the media. And I think it's also, you and I make content for fun. Neither of us have launched any businesses off of Instagram or anything, but I think that's also part of it is I feel so much of the community because I'm contributing and not everybody wants to, and they don't have to like learning, having a hobby, like shouldn't be stressful. You should just be able to make friends and do it for fun. And you don't just like, you don't have to know every single thing about every single thing. You also don't have to just be constantly turning out study gram posts, memes, YouTube videos, podcasts, whatever, in order to be part of the community. I mean, for you and I, some of our closest friends, I think the most most of our closest friends aren't content creators and, and they're my part, they're my community, right? Oh, totally. And I mean, and even like us, I mean, I can't speak for you, but like, 
I I see myself as a content creator within the community, but I'm not a content creator in the way other people are. Like yes. a lot of my stuff yeah. is just this is me living my life and I want to share this with people. Me too, yeah. And it's but it's not, you know, people out there who have very structured posts and they're selling sort of a thing and yeah. they're and they're really producing something yep. more tangible. <laughs> yeah, we're just using, we're just sitting around hanging out. <laughs> the rest exactly. of them are making like, making money somewhere. Yeah. I know. I'm just like I'm I'm over here having breakdowns about my mental health on Instagram stories. <laughs> and like other people are out here being content like creator. <laughs> exactly. I mean that's content. I just can't speak to the quality of it. <laughs> <laughs> doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. This is amazing. Um exactly. <laughs> So, okay, cool. Yes. So let's, let's stick on this community thing. Let's stick on this community thing because okay. another way that we divided up the community, and this is the Pride Month special that we're getting to now, okay. is we took the participants because other things we asked them were about their gender and their sexuality. And so I want to get back to you in a little bit. I want to get back to, uh, you know, whether cis or non-cis people feel like they're more or less a part of the community um, how somebody's sexuality might interact with how they feel like they're part of the community. But first, let's define a few things. So okay. I'm going to dive into now one of my favorite parts of this whole thing, which is people's identities within the community. So mm -hmm. one thing we asked participants is the best way to describe my gender is, and there are limitless ways to describe gender, but we did for the sake of the survey, force them into <laughs> a couple of choices that were pretty broad okay um but the options they had were cis woman which we define in case somebody didn't know that term cis man intersex intersex woman intersex man trans or non-binary woman trans or non-binary man non-binary gender non-conforming person and other but not cis so there were quite a couple of options here mm -hmm. and I think the, the, the three ways we'll be largely breaking people down um, in this to find good data out of will be cis women, cis men, and the rest of us. And I also think it's fun to point out that <laughs> I actually never took this survey. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, don't, I think I would, have, I would have taken it as a different person a few months ago than I have now. Yeah. Um, but we'll take, we'll, we'll start with cis men, cis women, and everybody else. So out of all of the participants in the community, what percentage do you think are cis men? Mm. 2,600 people. What percentage are cis men, do you think? <laughs> That's my <laughs> awkward laugh. Um, <laughs> because I'm just sitting here going, well, they're Literally. the loudest. Whatever their percentage is, they're the loudest percent. Um, hey, that's certainly how it feels. So, yeah, because it so, feels like they're in the majority, but I know that they definitely aren't. Well, I think we know um, they're the majority of conference speakers and yes. the majority of podcast hosts and YouTubers. And, yeah, the and people who, who have a lot of sort of large platforms are definitely cis men in the majority. Oh, yes. um, so what percentage so, are they in the actual community? In the actual community? I'd say they're, I mean, they're still around. I know plenty of cis men in the community. Some are <laughs> queer in other ways, but... Um, I feel like I just like I feel like I just othered them like oh yes I know, <laughs> I know like, I'm not I'm not cisphobic I know cis men <laughs> exactly I have cis male friends I don't know what you're talking that makes about one of us. <laughs> don't worry, they're, they're very few and most of them are still gay so you're yeah. good. <laughs> so, um, so, so, so. Okay. And, yeah and that's another thing it's an important thing to point out though just because somebody in the survey 
said cis man doesn't mean that they're not part of the queer community. So oh, totally. So I would say mean? cis men, um, I'd say definitely less than a third. I don't know if I'd say they're less than a quarter, though. Maybe somewhere in like 25 to 28 percent or something. She flipping nailed it. 25.2 <laughs> percent. Wow. Look at me. <laughs> Is it? But isn't that I'm shocked that you got oh, yeah. that because when I showed this to Candace, like our mouth, like I was like already gawking. Candace's mouth just like fell out of their skull. <laughs> like yeah. we was just it would to me it was incredible it's 25 percent. I mean honestly I think if you had asked me maybe two or three years ago I would have said it was higher because I think honestly like in in the past three years since I came out as a trans person yeah. publicly on the internet yeah. and started interacting more with um more queer content creators more women content creators I've I there's a whole side of the community that I don't think was really um just it's not it's not centered and it's not really focused on and so if you are um a cis man or um or I mean I thought I was a cis man I guess and uh, yes big big reveal there Um, (laughs) or 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 if you're totally an outsider it definitely seems like they are in the majority but I think over the past few years I've really begun to see like oh no 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 like it it really is a trans and a women sort of dominated space. I think you have such a unique vantage point because for me, I came into the community specifically because I attended Women in Language and I made an Instagram to keep up with friends. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I just felt like we were this little bubble just like kind of clinging to ourselves. And I wasn't, I was, I was surprised that men were in the minority. I really, really was. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, your life experiences throughout your life but also your relationship with the language learning community um give you a really good vantage point so let's see if you can do the second one oh, what Lord. percentage were women if men are about 25 percent, what percentage are cis women cis women specifically mm. see i think like th- this is honestly where i'm gonna struggle because yeah. i know that there are a lot of sort of broad broad term trans here like including non-binary and non-conforming or sort of quote other just non-cis yeah. people yeah, but I don't tell. Yeah, yeah exactly well and that's the thing is that and so like there are people that I see that are obviously presenting femme or sure. you know I don't know any difference so to me like they're women but they might identify as non-binary or something yeah so that's harder to know if they're in the majority or not I I'd honestly say it might be split down the middle like whatever half of 75 percent is oh you're a little bit you're off with that one okay okay actually yeah are you ready cis women cis women are actually 63.7 percent of the community yes wow i feel bad i feel bad now to all my my cis (laughs) women friends i'm so sorry (laughs) no 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 isn't that to me it's remarkable because i and I, I talk about this all the time. I'm, I love women in language. Women in language has been one of the best things to happen to me in my life. And to see the negativity that they and also Sisters Only Language Summit have gotten is absurd to me. But also when you think about, yeah, this is why these conferences need to exist is because of how skewed the representation is at other conferences. Uh, it's I was I was really shocked by by the percentage of, of men to women and, and this is absolutely why we need women in language and why we need sisters only language summit 100%. oh totally I mean I mean I love women in language and I mean I've never attended sisters only language but they both have a very sort of accepting view of womanhood yes. um, 
and and so I'm like 100% behind that. I, I I mean I'm still like I again not not trying to yeah. to erase cis people here, but I'm just I'm still a little bit surprised <laughs> at that because so many women that I met at Women in Language, yeah. you know, are 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 women who are telling me, you know, I I use she and they pronouns, and now granted, yeah. just just because somebody uses they doesn't mean that they don't still feel cis, you know. Obviously, yeah. gender is a complex thing, <laughs> yeah. but like. It really is interesting. I thought I I thought I thought it would be a little bit lower than that. Like even still maybe under 50. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But still, yeah. you know, obviously the majority, but like, but still not not that's a lot. I mean that it's it great, like, you know, women no, power. It's, it's really but I'm super- just surprised. Some of, the, no, some of these answers are honestly extremely shocking. Like to me, I was a little shocked that all of the other genders in this survey, we're calling all of these other gender experiences trans mm-hmm. since that was the original intention for the word trans just as a little short thing mm-hmm. um and so we're lumping in you know women of trans experience men of trans experience with people who are non-binary with intersex people it's not a perfect word there is no perfect word yeah um but when we think that that big trans family umbrella is just a, a smidge over 11 percent that's massive in the world. So I think it's like, it's, it's yeah. insane to me that we're like, oh, wow, like it's only 11%. Like, actually, <laughs> actually, we're talking about a global community here. Uh, and and a smidge over 11% is quite a lot. Oh, yeah, that's still totally like a large number. And still, I think compared yeah. to a lot of surveys out there to see such large trans representation is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I mean, maybe also I'm just skewed because I have yeah. a lot of trans friends and trans like mutual followers now yeah. um, or, you know, or non-binary gender, you know, sort of yeah. that that larger trans umbrella yeah. um, on Instagram and stuff. And so, but yeah, that's, yeah, I'm still, I'm still sort of just kind of processing this, yeah. <laughs> this question. Yeah, I think, again, this is also your unique and cool vantage point is because you know, at Women in Language, at that time, <laughs> plot twist, everyone, I thought it was a cis woman. <laughs> what am I? I don't know. Like, I'll let everybody know when I figure it out. Yeah. Um, but so people weren't necessarily like coming to me and outing themselves, although mm-hmm. now we have this very handy Instagram tool. And that's where you and I mostly operate is Instagram. And I have this great tool, which we can see pronouns and you can see pronouns for people. And it's a little bit easier. Um, people weren't necessarily coming out and outing themselves to me after Women in Language. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also just we attract people all of us we attract people that are that are like us um and yeah i thought that was super cool so are you ready to move on to who's kicking around as far as the sexual orientation goes oh yes please bring me bring me the gaze (laughs) okay so okay so okay so um we asked i consider my sexual orientation Mm -hmm. and there was a couple of options we had straight questioning not sure gay or lesbian, which was one thing together, gay or lesbian, bisexual or pansexual, asexual and or aromantic, and other LGBT+, queer, fluid, or some combination. Just kind of a catch-all miscellaneous. So Mm -hmm. what do you think the biggest sexual orientation was? Honestly, I don't even remember how I answered this question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like thinking now and I'm like, oh, what would the majority be? Yeah. Um, what were Who the last knows? few again? So, so, so it was it was straight, gay, and lesbian. So straight, like bi and pan. Questioning. Okay, questioning. Gay and les- gay or lesbian, which we put as one. Mm-hmm. 
bisexual or pansexual, asexual and or aromantic, mm -hmm. and then a big catch-all other but not straight. Oh, that's a hard one. In the, in the, rec in the outside world, <laughs> it wouldn't be. But in here. the outside world, it wouldn't be. But in our, well, because this is the thing, like, you know, going back to sort of what is my experience, Bay, and years ago when I first got onto, like, online language learning, mm -hmm. my, my sort of media of choice was Tumblr. And uh, we used to have oh, so Tumblr. many gay men on oh, Tumblr. So oh, God, Tumblr is so gay, yeah. <laughs> Tumblr is so gay. Well, at this point, like, I would say Tumblr is so queer because, yeah. like, there's, I think, I think there's something to be said about the time as well. I mean, we're talking about Tumblr, like, yeah. in 2009, 2010, 2011, and 12, yeah, when, when a I'm lot of, <laughs> exactly, you and I have talked about this. You were on one end yeah. and I was over here doing my shit. Um, yeah. But, I think I think even in those 10 years since then, mm -hmm. sort of, I don't want to call it the mainstreaming, but sort of the more widespread comfort with yeah. um, with with queer identities, both yeah. in terms of gender and sexuality has grown quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And so back then it was just all gay men everywhere. Now, probably half those people are probably trans women now. Who knows? <laughs> but, I mean, hi, look at me. But yeah, but yeah, I don't I I'm I want to say gay or lesbian okay but i feel like i'm gonna get it wrong my 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 number two choice would be did we have ban, uh pan or bisexual or, or did we, pan, put them we have we have one category which is pan or bisexual okay yeah i think that would be my number two choice either gay or lesbian or pan or bisexual would be the number one i don't know this Ready? is hard yes Ready? tell me it's it's actually straight people. <laughs> it's actually like in the regular world, um, a lot of straight people kicking around. Yeah, well, remember. Get them out. Make them leave. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're keeping them. It's too late. I'm attached already to some of them. Actually, um, I have no room to talk because I, I, I like 90, yeah. 95% of the time I identify as straight. So. Okay. Well, this is my podcast now. So <laughs> um, welcome to <sighs> Exhaling Words. I'm Marissa. Um, we're doing Pride Month and Aaron's not allowed. Uh, so. Yes, it was actually straight people. It was straight okay. people. Um, and do you have a guess as to, it's so funny doing this with queer people because I feel like anybody else I asked, like nobody said this. Like no, I was like, you know, I've, I've gotten some like feelers. I'm like, oh, what do you think the biggest this is? What do you, and I'm not telling anybody. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, well, obviously straight, right? And then you come in. <laughs> but like, No, it's the gays. It's, um. Yeah, no, 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 it's, no, it's the straights. Um, so what do you think, what percentage do you think straight people are in the community? They're the biggest, they're the big, out of all of the pie slices, they're the biggest pie slice. Okay. I mean, it's definitely a large percentage, but I wouldn't say that I, they're definitely not over half. So maybe like in the 40s? Yes. Around 48.8%. 40? Okay. Yeah. Oh, close to half. Okay. 48.8% straight. Yeah. That's, um, everybody else was shocked that it was that high. I'm sorry. Everybody else was shocked that it was that low. Um, and I was shocked too. <laughs> but <laughs> look at you. You're great at this game. <laughs> All right. And then what do you think was after that? You think straight and then what? Oh, I mean, if straights are that high, I I still think maybe like bi or pan would come before gay or lesbian then. But yep, watch, I'm probably gone. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. Bi or pan. Okay. Bi or pan came in at 21% and then mm -hmm. gay or lesbian was third at 12%. Okay. Um, so that was overwhelming the majority. Um, but we did have some some everybody else. So so yeah. Um we're wow, the states uh, are still ruling in some places that's no they're not well they're not like, that's <laughs> if you talk so if we split up and this is what we'll talk about in a second but 
one thing we did is we sectioned off people into just like I said, cis for this this one round of the survey. We sectioned people off into cis or trans umbrella. Mm-hmm. For this, we sectioned people off into straight or what I've been calling LGB plus. So okay. there are trans straight people, cool, valid, yeah. all my love. Yes. Um, but LGB plus as a way to not center heterosexuality. We didn't want to say non-straight. We didn't want to say non-hetero, you know, like mm-hmm. we didn't want to buy a race anybody. No. Um, so we're, we've been calling it LGB plus, um, which includes all of these other lovely people. Okay. Um, so that's technically the majority, <laughs> even though <laughs> when you lump us all together, even though straight was the largest pie slice, uh, mm-hmm. we came in at 50.2%. So snuck in there. Hashtag winning. Hashtag winning. It wasn't a competition, but now it is. Yes, it, 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 it is. <laughs> all right. So now we'll talk about how these identities interact with certain stuff. And we're going to get back to that language learning community question. Okay. So when we asked, you know, do you consider yourself part of the language learning community? Just a smidge of this whole big group of all these learners, just a smidge more than a third said they disagreed or strongly disagreed a smidge under a third said they agreed or strongly agreed and about a neutral third said neutral mm-hmm. so how do you think and this is a pretty open-ended question how do you think being cis or trans would affect whether or not people feel like they're part of the uh, of the of the language learning community do you think being cis or trans would make somebody feel Maybe less included, more included, equally. Like, what do you think is that dynamic there? Hmm. I would think that hmm. as much as I like to sort of skew everything towards the more queer side, I do think that being cis probably makes people feel more included. I, I mean, to be honest, like, had you not cut the lines there, I would have cut the lines with like, cis man versus other like cis man versus like cis women or other and hopefully um, we eventually will this is the first finding because i think that there is some really important data there that we haven't had time yet to look at because when i tell you that we're drowning in a sea of data i mean we're going to do three rounds of analyzing and sending it out to the world and then mm-hmm. we're giving people the data because there is more data here than oh, yeah. candace and i could possibly <laughs> together analyze so hopefully we'll do that but we are for this little round we are cutting it into cis versus trans umbrella okay. so what do you what do you think what, what, what's i your would vibe? i would think that maybe cis people skew more towards feeling like they're part of the community um maybe that's reflective of of cis and trans experience elsewhere um that trans people often feel othered and like outsiders because we're not in a majority and we're not represented well um so yeah, I'm gonna go with that. I could be wrong, but I would I'd go it's, with that. There's actually almost no difference. Okay. There's almost no difference. It's it fine. does like the tiniest little percentage of cis people do feel a little like I, or, let me reverse that. The tiniest little bit of percentage of trans umbrella people disagree with being part of the community. Like they're not, mm-hmm. um, but it's very 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 slight. And in the context of the whole survey there's actually very little difference. Okay. Which I think is great. Oh, no, that is. That's awesome. Because that's the thing, like, like there's the part of me that says specifically cis men tend to feel more 
like they're part of something or that Mm -hmm. they're entitled to Mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. But there's also the part of me that says like, when we're in a community where queer people are very much seen and represented, maybe not in the loud voices, but we know that we are here and we see each other, I think trans people are more likely to feel like they're in community. So it really doesn't surprise me that much to see that it's not that different if we're cutting Mm -hmm. sort of the slice that way. Yeah, and I think that once we cut the slice, like you said, cis men versus other people, I think the data could say something else. Um, And I look forward to to seeing. Um, And now out of all of these other trans umbrella genders, so we have gender non-conforming, non-binary, trans or non-binary men, trans or non-binary women, intersex, intersex women, intersex men, other, but not cis. Out of those labels, who do you think is the most likely to see themselves as part of the community? I'd probably say the, I don't know if they were together or if they were two separate ones, but like trans men and trans women. Trans men and trans women were two different categories. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. I don't know if I'd pick one over the other there. Um, I would say it's probably one of those two, though, because I think sometimes people who feel like they don't conform to a gender binary in any way or, or exist sort of outside of it or somewhere in between or, you know, I think sometimes when we say trans men and trans women, by using the term men or women, we're sort of subconsciously allowing ourselves to be part of a larger group and we are more likely to feel like we're included in something. Um, I don't know if that's a bias or something. I, I, don't, I don't know where I'm going with that, actually. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's important But there that, is something there. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're throwing in your biases, you're throwing in your personal experience. I'm not gonna hypothesize as to why these things are, but I think mm-hmm. it's cool for you to do it. Uh, I'm just gonna focus on the data, but you are killing it at this game. The, the group that was most likely to agree that they were part of the language learning community was trans or non-binary men. Okay. And about a third said they agreed or strongly disagreed. Um, and now if we flip it, if we look at the group who said they were m- most disagree or strongly disagree, you were also right. It was actually the people who said that they were gender non-conforming that were the most likely to disagree. And that was 35%. So when we're looking at binary identified men who are of trans experience, they do find themselves that they are more likely to be part of the community or, or that's how they see themselves mm-hmm. versus people who don't necessarily have a specific gender identity, but are all under the trans umbrella. Yeah, I think I think that's where I was trying to go with that. And I didn't word myself well. It's just because I think obviously like being under the trans umbrella sort of naturally others us outside of the cis majority but for trans people that do still identify sort of within a binary whether or not we believe in it but just the fact that i feel very much like a woman and not like Mm -hmm. i'm genderqueer or something like that or somebody who would identify as a trans man or man of trans experience i think that does sort of allow us to feel like we're still part of of sort of the cis community because i think the cis community generally speaking as unfortunate as it is, they accept us more because we fall yeah. within their understanding of gender. Yeah. And and so I think it's more likely for trans men or trans women to feel more like they're part of a larger community as opposed to non-conforming people or non-binary people. 
um, because they're often othered even by sort of this already othered community. Um, so that doesn't that doesn't surprise me too much. I mean, it's it's an unfortunate reflection of reality, or it's a reflection of an unfortunate reality. But but, yeah, I but think that's that, sort of to be expected. I think that there's some pretty good gut instincts as somebody who is in the community. Like we keep saying, we don't know why mm-hmm. this is. We can simply report that it is. Yeah. Um, but I think that you have some some really good insights. Now, if we break up this pie in a different way, if we break up this pie with straight people versus what I'm calling LGB plus. So lesbian, gay, bisexual, pan, ace, everybody else. Mm-hmm. How do you think that straightness versus gayness, lesbianness, bi-ness, all of this, how do you think that interacts with whether or not somebody feels like they're part of a language learning community? Mm. Oh, again, that's this is one of those hard ones again because I think I think I think that this sort of LGB plus community, we've built our own community. So if you're part of that sort of sub community within the large community, you might say, "Yes, I feel like I'm part of it," but yeah, I'd still, I I'd still, of that. I never thought of that because, of course, <laughs> no, of course, the language learning community isn't. Even though that's how I've been wording it, it isn't. I love these conversations. It isn't one big thing, and I certainly. I am not part of whatever the polyglot conference, polyglot gathering community is. I have no idea what's going on over there. Ready? Like, who is she? Yeah. But, but our little bubble, like, I am, I am in my element. So, yeah, I think that's a really, really important point. I think, I think, however, that, like, just like we saw earlier with the cis people and with the straight people, I think, I think it is, or not with the cis people, just with the straights. Um, I think it's still to be expected that, that it's going to be, straight people that feel more like they're in the or more like they're part of a community as opposed to lgb plus people mm-hmm. um i just i mean i think i think what you said there is is a valid point though because when we sit inside of our bubble yeah. like you know or it's just this is who we interact with so of course we feel like a community but if you yeah. but if you're looking at this at large do i feel like i'm part of that larger no i've i've never been a polyglot conference i've never been a polyglot gathering i don't interact with a lot of people from those spaces mm-hmm. so you know i feel like i'm part of the community maybe because i've been in it for so long and i am a content creator mm-hmm. but other queer people i think definitely wouldn't feel that way so yeah i'm gonna go with straight people are probably more likely to feel feel like they're part of the community spicy there's really not much of a difference there's not much of a difference um whether somebody straight or gay lesbian bisexual pan it 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 breaks up pretty evenly when you slice the pie that specific way which to me is super cool but what if you slice the pie and you slice up this lgb plus group see it feels so weird to not say t (laughs) sorry everybody (laughs) but this, this this other group of us cool people who are not centering straightness right now um what group of of us i don't know well i don't know which i don't, nobody knows what you filled out if that information's gone <laughs> but <laughs> what group of people who are lesbian gay bisexual pan all the other fun ace arrow um what group do you think is most likely to disagree or strongly disagree that they are part of the community and so your options are yeah. gay or lesbian mm-hmm. bisexual or pan mm-hmm asexual or aromantic and or aromantic questioning not sure and other but not straight who is the most likely to disagree or strongly disagree that they are part of the community 
I hate when there are others. I'm always like, oh, but what is who who would be picking other? Um, uh, so yeah. maybe that would be them. But I am gonna go with a gut instinct again, maybe just based around my other experiences like like within the larger queer community and looking at like the marginalization of ace and arrow people i'm gonna say maybe ace and arrow people you are fire i wish you were yes. you are fire <laughs> so my ace and arrow lovelies if you are out there almost 40 percent so they disagreed or strongly disagreed almost 40 percent. that is incredible we have yes. there's nowhere else that when I've done the survey that's like in the within the survey that so many people felt like they weren't part of this group I I my heart is is broken I am on the ace spectrum I feel like I'm part of this community and just to know that there's people like me who don't like that just kills me but like you said it's the same marginalization erasure within the larger queer community that they're probably feeling to a certain degree like what like of course like yes you're part of the community if you're listening if you consider yourself ace and or arrow like yes you are you are queer enough you are lgbt plus enough you are polyglot enough whatever exactly. it is come party with us yes um, we love you it yeah that was i think that was probably for me the most upsetting thing that we found um it, it just yeah. it absolutely kills me um, it really is kind of like it's just one of those things that i mean don't get me wrong like earlier you and i recorded a live before this and we talked about bi erasure yeah. and and i think that's totally a thing and it's yeah. and it's a big issue in the community it has been for decades now but like personally i i always like hate hate ace and error erasure like like because my thing like when i i like to say queer because it's just a catch-all term it's a word i like and so you and i use it but when i like go to the acronym i'm always you know lgbtq make sure i have the q for queer and like either ia or just a or something i always have an a in there because i've met so many wonderful ace and arrow people trans ace and arrow people and i know so many great and wonderful people that are just so happy being asexual or being aromantic and i'm just like why don't we talk about them like why don't we it like them up i have this month you know the pride memes this month and somebody who's, who's a friend of mine sent me one that was like i'm like oh, i'm like cringing saying this right now it was like it started off really funny it was like it's pride month it's illegal to be straight like oh well there's something silly like that like, it's illegal to be straight in june mm-hmm. Um, we will we will notify the police like you know whatever <laughs> yeah, it's like ironic cutesy. stupid whatever yeah and then at the on at the bottom of it it was like this whole image all these parts and the bottom of this image just said ace people you're on thin ice and i was like what the fuck like, like that okay that's fine are are you serious like it's pride month is oh, what like to me it's and you know there's another level of of, of buy and pan erasure like if somebody's in a a, a cis group um a cishet relationship and that's not how they identify like it, there's love there's levels there but at the end i was just like are you kidding and this person didn't know that i because i don't i just say queer i don't really break it down unless i'm in a space with mm-hmm. good friends who are also queer um, i don't feel the need to break it down any further than that but this person didn't know that i was ace and i'm like okay cool like i guess i can't trust you with that part of me <laughs> you know yeah um and so i i do see how you, i don't that hasn't affected me at all as, as far as feeling part of the community but oh, i just it just it it kills me to see almost 40 percent of ace and air people disagree or strongly disagree oh um, yeah it just it's just devastating um yes. 
Ace and Arrow people, you are the A in our acronym. It's not ally. (laughs) It's not ally. I put this out on, I put this on fucking blast the other day. And I said, the A is not ally. And I've had, nobody responded poorly, but I've had other people in the past be like, how dare you like say that A is not ally. And I'm like, being, being a decent human being and supporting other people who are different from you is not a reason to be part of a community. I support you know, people of color in my life and the rights of people of color yeah. and, and fighting and against sort of like suspended racism. That. But that doesn't yeah. make me part of a people of color community. No, no. Just and because that you're nice to us doesn't mean you're part of the community. The A is for Ace and Arrow and, and making it about allyship erases Ace and Arrow yeah. people. Yeah, and it's, I think this is also a, a great moment too. Cause like also at the moment, <laughs> I would say I also identify as a lesbian and this is so to other gay lesbian people like, I have not been, I have like, and we talked about this in the live. If anybody wants to see this live that we did, that was so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's on my Instagram under my IGTV. We had a blast. Oh, it was um, a we blast. talked about, we talked about by erasure and you know, I'm just as capable of that as anybody else. And I have to understand that people are going to be capable of ace arrow erasure. And we all just got to step it up. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is it. If you're listening in your, you're something else of the alphabet mafia, <laughs> you're not the A, <laughs> this is it. Like, just post a good ace and arrow meme like that people know that there's they see what you're posting like even if you don't see the ace arrow people they see what you're posting post something cool this week today and and make sure that they know that they're welcome in the space because it's i I, i'm just i'm still shook by this yeah so So let's keep let's keep going let's keep going um yes more questions okay so again of our of our beautiful alphabet soup uh who is the most likely to agree or strongly agree that they are part of the community? Mm. I'd probably say gay men. <laughs> is that okay? That's your answer. Also, well, it's gay and lesbian together. Okay. So. That well, well, I was I was gonna put them together, but I thought this was one of the spots where they were separate. But no, okay, no, they're, they're separate. Yeah. The whole the whole the answer everybody had was gay or lesbian, just to make our charts a little bit easier. We lumped together. Even though gay and lesbian are two totally different identities, we did lump them together because they can't necessarily pass for straight in the same way as somebody mm-hmm. else could. Yeah. Um, and that was just purely a mathematical chart-making decision. Okay. Um, so gay and lesbian are together and everything. Okay, then yeah, I'd probably say gay and lesbian. It is bisexual or pansexual. Really? Okay. Yes, yes. I mean, yes. I'm and happy think, about that. Yes. Like, yeah, come on, bison and pans. Yes. And I think it's interesting because this is another intersection where, you know, for all of the gay and pan erasure, I'm sorry, the bi and pan erasure in the bigger community, this is also a language learning survey. And I, del- one of the, one of the other great things, this survey has really changed me um, and just working through has been amazing. And one of the other amazing things is I think some of them might be listening some of my friends came out to me as bi and pan uh, and I did not know and they have been in relationships with people of the opposite sex and so I uh, was a just not I was just not thinking and I just assumed um, which you know makes an ass out of you and me mm-hmm. uh, and so I had friends that were like oh yeah I'm actually bi and or pan I was like oh 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 okay um, and yeah they are that group is more likely to feel part of the the larger LinkedIn community than any other cross section. Is that did they come out to you because of the survey or just yes, recently they that did. happened? They okay, because I've had like three people come out to me as trans in the past year, and like 
one of them was a good friend I knew I've known for years one was a former student of mine mm. and I but it wasn't because of the survey and I was just like is there something in the water or the air that like people are coming out in the past the year there is there's definitely something in the water we're all coming out I mean I'm I'm I just changed all of my labels at some point in the past six months largely because of the survey actually um partially because so- I'm a dick and I <laughs> Okay, so actually, backstory for everybody listening. Um, so I confide, I, a person in DMs, I'm confiding in my friend who I share secrets with. Aaron and I are real friends in real life. Yes. Now we've never, we've never met each other, but we hang out a lot online. Yes. Um, but I mean, but and, I mean, we're talking like real friends. Like I have cried yeah. in yeah. DMs to Marissa. Yeah. We've talked like personal we health, spent like all sorts of night stuff. Together on Zoom. Oh, Lord. Like, we're, yes, we're that was fun. Friends. Yes. And so I'm confiding <laughs> with my friend and I'm like, you know, and, and this is honestly in the context of the survey. I preparing myself to talk about these things have been really digging into gender theory. And it's something I've, I've always, I've had trans friends since high school. It's never been a question in my mind. I started the GSA in my high school. Like I've just believed everybody. Somebody tells me that this is my gender. This is my pronouns. This is how I express myself, whatever. And I can just believe them. It's, it's easy because I was, I was young. Um, and also at the time identified as bisexual. So easy, but talking about it, is really different. You really have to know the theory. So I've probably, I've read so many books and so many essays and articles and amazing things. And throughout this whole thing, realized that I'm not a cis woman. <laughs> Oops. Um, really, really exciting. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. I don't have a good label yet. Um, and maybe I never will, but I confide in my friend, Aaron, who I love and I trust <laughs> and who I'm planning pride month with. And so that's and my surprise I'm like yeah you don't you know I don't I'm not so woman. I don't really know like I, I have a couple labels I don't I don't know like we'll see what happens and um imagine my surprise when I pop on Aaron's first prime on the podcast and Aaron's like oh my friend Marissa they're really cool and I was like <gasps> oh they pronouns um so that was the first time I was ever referred to as they or she it was great we're keeping they <laughs> um and it was a hilarious story that I will tell over and over and over again starting right now in my defense to all of you who come out to me in my DMs or who message me about stuff, I am good at keeping secrets. Yes, no, it's true. It was it's it was true. honestly one of those things that like much like Marissa, if somebody tells me their pronouns, that's their pronouns, I don't even think about it. Like yeah. like I have a person that I work with and you know, they 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 are they were assigned female at birth and they told me like they, but a lot of yeah. people in our office still refer to them as she. And it's yeah. just the moment I know that their pronouns are they, it's hard for me to go back to the other one. And that's literally all it was, was I'm talking about Marissa. Yeah. And of course, they make sense to me. <laughs> so that's what came out. And I didn't even think about it while I was editing to fix it. And, yep, no, so. it's, 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 and I think this is also, you know, we're, we're totally up, up on tangent here. But I think this is something that has been really lovely in both of our lives is that we've both been able to I don't hide this from anybody I wasn't I certainly wasn't hiding it Mm -hmm. um I was just it's something that I'm I'm thinking about and deciding on and enjoying and working through but neither of us have extremely unsafe situations where we have to use assigned birth pronouns like where we have to you know do whatever like we have this freedom yes that's Um, very true that's one of the most miraculous things about being alive in 2020 Mm -hmm. yeah it's I not, literally just said that to like, someone yeah, I, today. Everybody, no, no, no. And just everybody knows when when I was cracking up in Aaron's DMs about this, I thought this was hilarious. I thought this was so <laughs> funny. It's one of the best stories of my life. Aaron, of course, apologized. And I said, no, no, you pushed baby bird up a nest. So um, <laughs> this will anyway, be the story that like Marissa that. tells in my wedding. <laughs> Marissa will be standing up in my wedding. Yes! And so she'll be like, Aaron, this bitch outed me. This bitch. 
sketch right here. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, a, it was a really great story. Um, so here we all are back where we, from once we came on this podcast. Um, cool. All right. So, so let's, questions. Let's, back yes, on yes. Let's get back. Let's get back to this survey. Other things that we looked at were how different groups felt or how often different groups felt represented in various language learning resource materials. So we looked at apps, textbooks, audio courses, um, podcasts, and YouTube. And we asked, you know, do you feel always never represented? And we split that up a bunch of different ways. But it's honestly so much data. It was the majority of, of how Candace sent the last month. I was trying to figure <laughs> this out. So we will just jump in. We'll just do apps. Um, but if anybody wants, all this data is going to be available and visualized. So it'll be a little bit easier for them to see. Um, but when we asked all of the language learning community, remember this is a very international diverse group. Do you feel like language apps represent people like you? What percentage do you think roughly felt neutrally? Start with neutral. neutrally. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, I, th I think that's hard just because there's so many different ways that you can feel like you're being represented. Okay, so let's, um, let me let me let me rephrase this a little bit. Then their options were apps always represent people like me, which would be the highest point or the lowest would be apps never represent people. like me. So let's rephrase this. How often do you like out of the whole group? What percentage of the whole group said apps never represent people like me? or leaning toward that like apps rarely represent people like me i'm i wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe 50 percent or so maybe more but i'm afraid i'm afraid to go higher <laughs> yeah. um just because there's so i mean what i mean by there's so many ways is like if we stick to to like being queer mm -hmm. i think that that number goes even higher mm -hmm. um but apps are doing a better job at like including, you know, different races and ethnicities in terms of both their pictures and the visualizations, as well as like names and where people are from when they're teaching and stuff. And so from like a racial perspective, people might feel represented, but not so much represented in terms of their sexuality. So, but I would, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 50% of people, if not more, um, don't feel represented by apps or, or, or textbooks or things like that. It's interesting because I would I would have said the same thing. Um, it's mm -hmm. about it's about a third of people that really? said Is that low. Yes, yes, it's that wow. low that said um, never or rarely represented. And then for the flip side is how many people do you think said always or almost always represented? I mean, if never is thirty percent, I'd say always or almost always is maybe like 40 percent to maybe even at 50 percent it's about a third oh so really we have, even yes, that's low have, okay yeah so we have about it really middled out so hmm. in the we have about a third of people feeling neutrally a third of people feeling never or almost never and a third of people saying always or almost always and that's the group in general but okay. we can break that in other ways so when we're talking about people who feel always or almost always represented, what percentage of the trans umbrella learners, what percentage of them 
feel like they're always or and this is not their only identity it's that they're also you know they have they're racialized they are abled or disabled they are of many ages they're from all over the world what percentage of the trans umbrella thinks that they're often or always represented often or always so positively represented yes. actually being represented yes oh lord i'd say that's low um probably under 25 percent like maybe even under like 15 or 10 percent i would think 27 27 okay. yep and what do you what percentage of that trans umbrella do you think feel rarely or never represented i'd say probably 50 to 60 percent about 38 percent wow i'm really like i'm losing it here no, <laughs> um, no but isn't no, this but so interesting isn't this it is so interesting, interesting. I, I think I mean, that's, yeah, yeah I don't, you tell me. Well, no, I'm just thinking because like as a trans person, and, and this is sort of what I was getting at before, and then you just mentioned it, is that there are so many ways to be like, you know, yes, I'm being represented. So like when I use a textbook or when I use a language learning app, of course, there are always white women in those apps mm -hmm. and in those mm -hmm. textbooks. So I feel seen that's there, yeah. but I don't see my queerness being represented, you know, or like I'm yeah. in a bunch of, because I use Duolingo, um, yeah. I'm in a lot of like Facebook groups for like Duolingo learners and everybody always loves like when, you know, when there's like a gay couple in a, in a sentence on yeah. Duolingo, although you don't see them often in textbooks or you pointed out like, you know, being disabled, you know, if there's mm -hmm. people with disabilities in textbooks or on language learning apps, it's usually just somebody in a wheelchair. They don't show other types of disabilities, yeah. you know, so representation takes so many forms, but I was really expecting something higher than that. But, Me too. Yeah. Um, and I think apps are doing a really, they, they're doing a better job than I would have given them credit for. I, the mm -hmm. numbers are different when you look at textbooks or audio courses, which are a bit older. I won't get into that because that's a whole other can of worms. People can see oh, yeah. those, those reports um, on my blog. Um, but yeah, I think apps have done a, a better job than I would have given them credit for. I I don't know. Again, like I didn't take the survey. We realized <laughs> when it was too late. I don't know how I would have answered. Um, but I think that that's, I think it's, that's an important note. Okay. So now when we look at LGB plus people versus straight people. Um, so again, trans umbrella people might have, many people might have answered straight. We can't be sure. Um, what do you think that breakup looks like when you're talking about who feels let's say let's use the never one because I think that's pretty pretty strong never or rarely are presented who do you think how do you feel like this is since we know trans umbrella people are a little more likely not entirely dramatically less mm -hmm. likely but they're a little less likely to feel regularly represented what do you feel like the breakup might be when we divide everybody by straight versus LGB plus hmm I would say again, I, I think I think apps are doing a better job. So I don't think it's quite as extreme as 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 one might assume. Mm -hmm. So I would still say we're we're talking about never and rarely, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would say it's still significant, but probably low, maybe like a third. So who has a third? So can you so I said oh, I, I just opened yeah. it really, really broadly. I would say that the LGB plus we're doing that versus straight people, right? Or did I did yeah. I get myself? Yeah, so we're okay. doing. So I just said, what do you think the dynamic is between the two? I left it extremely open ended. Okay. Um, but what do you think? What so? What do you think? Who feels less represented? Who feels? And it's not you know. There's a many, many, many other 
things here. Um, yeah. Who do, you, who do you think feels never or rarely represented more commonly? And what do you think that looks like? I would definitely say probably queer people of all sorts. Um, if we're looking at more specific things. We're not things. looking at queer people because some, there might be binary identified intersex or trans people who are, click straight. Okay. You might have clicked straight. We still don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, no, I think I, I think I think I also just said queer to to be LGB plus. Sorry, I would. <laughs> so I would still say LGB plus. Um, I would still say LGB LGB plus would feel less represented. So I don't know to what extent there never or always never would be, but I would say it's definitely more significant than that of of straight people. Okay. So out of this LGB plus category, 33.9% said that they feel never or rarely uh, represented. So we're talking if we are 33.9% okay. straight people, straight people, never, never rarely represented, straight people, 34.7%. Really? They feel never or rarely represented in a higher percentage just barely just barely huh but 0.8 percent more frequently than lgb plus people that is interesting yeah that is right that is i mean i that 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 would have to be where we have to be looking at other forms of representation then because straight yeah. people are always the representative ones. <laughs> so it's yeah. got to be, it's not about sexuality there. It's got to be about questions of race or, you know, disability religion or religion, or something. Things. Yeah, I, that's my gut instinct. Uh, mm -hmm. What Candace offered during our, our talks was that maybe straight people assume representation and that when, when they are not represented, it's more jarring versus when LGB plus people are not represented it, it feels more par for the course um i think that's that's a very good point because yeah because that's the whole like why isn't there straight pride sort of conversation <laughs> i can i definitely got a couple of comments on reddit which is well we need a straight survey <laughs> like yeah okay, this, no. then, then take the survey and this will be a straight survey <laughs> oh totally i mean and it's the same thing like you know as 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 you and i do this and do all of our pride stuff this month we've been using yeah. the phrase like queer centered we yeah. And 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 it's like some people take offense to that because, mm -hmm. you know, sort of this difference between what is queer centered versus queer inclusive, which we talked about yeah. during the live. Um, yeah, I think I think Candace might have a really good point there that that it might not be that that uh, that straight people are actually less represented than LGB plus people. It might just be that when they are not represented, yeah. they take it more critically and so it sticks in their mind more whereas for lgb plus people it really is just part of our experience that yeah you know okay well so what it's another cishet couple you know and yeah, so and, and so and so you don't think about it and this is entirely self-reporting right and so even yeah. there were additional questions which i don't believe we covered which was how many languages do you speak at what levels and mm -hmm. that we didn't give them anybody a test it was just self-reporting and then this is just how somebody feels they are not represented by it. And we, and we don't know why, and, and we don't know why. And it's a great question for somebody to ask. We don't have the data. Um, maybe next year we'll do a follow-up. Maybe somebody else can do it. But this survey is, there are some real gems here in this data that are, 
I just, I can't wait for, for people to, to pick up and, and run with. Oh yeah. Cause I think, I think that that really says something to something that goes beyond, you know, like, like we're doing this whole episode for pride month and we're mm-hmm. focusing on queer content. But I think that that question in terms of representation, because it goes outside mm-hmm. of just queerness, mm-hmm. that, that that's really a whole nother, a whole nother sort of rabbit hole that we could get into, you know, in another context of, or what other ways can we be represented and why don't some people feel represented and, and almost get into questions of what is, what is more noticeable for people? Like if you have a queer person of color, are they going to notice a lack of representation of their queerness or a lack of representation of their uh, you know, race or ethnicity mm-hmm. more than, than you know, one or the other? Um, I, yeah, I think this is really one of those gems that would be great to sort of unpack more and to do follow-up surveys or to do something more with. Yes, yes. Um, and so the other, the other questions, which it's, there's just so much data here we can't get into. We also asked similar questions about feeling represented on uh, textbooks, audio courses, and YouTube and podcasts. Um, so if anybody wants to see those numbers as well, um, I'll be posting all of this, hopefully in time for this podcast launch on Thursday, <laughs> Tuesday, although it is a ton of data um, and we'll be having two more rounds come out, one this summer and then one this fall. Hopefully the second one will be centered on what we talked about earlier, which will be the, the split between cis men and cis women. And hopefully in that we have to decide, we'll also be hopefully speaking more to the experiences of binary identified people as well. But we're not sure. We're going to see what, what the data holds in store. Um, we have no clue. And then this fall, as we release the third round, which we don't know what it'll contain yet, we're going to um, anonymously release all the data as well. So none of the participants will be able to be identified. Uh, but anybody who is also a data whiz will be able to have fun with this like we have and hopefully ask and answer additional questions. In the, in the original survey, did we because again, it's been a while now. Yeah. Did, did did we answer questions about race and ethnicity and religion? Oh, yeah. Okay. We uh, we well, so there were questions about where people are from, okay. native languages, where they were raised, um, what conferences they attended or didn't attend, um, the their reasons for learning a language originally versus now, their high school and elementary school social experiences we asked <laughs> a lot of lot a lot of questions because i got really zealous <laughs> yes that is some um, ambition yes yeah and uh poor candace almost had a heart attack when looking at the original <laughs> the original data so i was like oh so we could do things and just their jobs on the floor so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we'll be releasing additional stuff um and hopefully we can look at some of the the other intersections although if we don't, that's why we'll have this these, this data released is that if somebody is an expert, I'm certainly not, if somebody is an expert on things like ethnicity, race, how those those categories are constructed and they would like to do what we're doing, mm-hmm. um, I would be over the moon. So if, if you were a data person, if you are more of an expert in yeah how these other social categories are constructed, reach out please there's there's a lot of stuff there and i think another point of of this since we're wrapping up mm-hmm. is that this is something that i'm doing as a queer person and that's it's i'm asking questions that i don't think a cishet person could 
because I originally, a lot of these other surveys were, are you straight? Yes or no? Yeah. Are, are you a man or a woman? Well, that's not going to give you great data. Um, and I, I, I hope I did my best um, for race and ethnicity. I'm not an expert, um, but I think that somebody who is coming in with that background who can analyze this data would do a much better job than I could or that any person who's racialized as white could. Um, and that's definitely my hope is that after this, other people will be able to take the data, but also put together their own surveys and, and construct things around their questions and their needs um, that, that I couldn't, just as I constructed somebody that is something that assists that person could not. Oh, yeah, I think, I mean, that's that's a really good point, I think. Um, and I think takes us back to sort of what we've been talking about today in the live and earlier in the episode today is um, centering certain identities or, or centering even our own identities and that this really changes how you approach even asking questions sometimes. And even like, you know, I don't, again, I'm not a data scientist or a researcher or something like that, but I know that if you ask certain questions, are you priming people for another question? And so like, mm -hmm. if I had, I, I, I think that's why even I assume certain things about the potential results, because I'm already coming into this from a queer perspective and analyzing this as a queer person mm -hmm. and thinking about, you know, what my queer experience and what our larger community experience is and how that would reflect in the results. And just, if we don't have that perspective, we're not going to get there. You know, and one of the things we talked about in the live earlier today was about um, spaces centered around queer people of color. Yeah. And, you know, you and I both personally very much support, you know, these spaces being creative, but they're not spaces that we can create. And if we were to ask questions, they're not questions that we're going to understand the nuance of because it's not our, you know, our personal experiences. Um, yeah. So I think that's a really good point there. There's, there's, there's so much more that, that, uh, that can be done in terms of understanding our community and the diversity within it. You know, I think we always, because we're focused on language learning, diversity sort of understood. You know, it's like, oh, well, we all come from all over the world and we all speak these languages. Um, and, you know, and sometimes we jokingly complain about, you know, all the cishet white boys who dominate, you know, a lot of the dialogue and discourse around our community. But, but we all still understand that it's very diverse, but there's so much diversity that has yet to be sort of understood, I think, or really, really brought forth for, for, for people to be made aware of. So I would even, I would even almost argue to an extent against that. I would say that not diversity is taken for granted. I think that oh, yeah. it's taken for granted that people aren't racist. It's taken for granted that we're an open, you know, multicultural community, but I've seen extremely racist things said in the language learning community and that's why i i think everybody should be giving giving your cash to sisters only language summit please like <laughs> i i've heard i mean people and it's so rare it's not really even worth commenting on but people i lost followers um when i started promoting our live like maybe 20 um, oh yeah and i don't i don't care like good riddance i gained some too but it was pretty jarring and i think that it's easy to forget as people who are living in the bubble, that there are, there are frankly students who are learning Northern European accents because they're Nazis. Yeah, um, and I think, I think that true. that when you one of the things you know, I, I this is really the first time I've said this out loud, and I've said it a couple times now, but I have to say it again. This survey has absolutely changed 
little parts of how I see the world and myself just being so involved in it. Mm-hmm. And I hope that one of the things is that when people see these gender and sexuality numbers that teachers will feel more empowered to come out to their students if they're not cis It turns out, oh my God, it turns out, I just found out there was about an hour gap between the live that I recorded and this. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that a teacher that I had long-term was is 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 not straight and neither am I and neither of us told the other and we were in a classroom <laughs> together and I just like okay cool and now I'm seeing this I'm like okay I gotta I just gotta I gotta do a better job of that so that other people will add themselves to me because the teacher is worried about potentially losing students and I just like the teaching style didn't want to rock the boat and during this while I was in the classes with this person wasn't that central um, and so I'm hoping that this will empower the rest of us to be a lot louder and feel a lot more confident than the way we have. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's really exciting to see some of these numbers. Oh, no, I think, I think what we've seen so far is amazing. And I think you're totally right that if nothing else sort of comes of this, I, I hope that as people see them, that, that it gives us sort of the the courage and the voice to speak out either in support of them or against things that we see that that are not supporting our community and the inclusiveness of it. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what the rest of the numbers are and actually sort of even dig into it myself, you know, less worried about the numbers, but more about really seeing how this breaks down in terms of um, very specific identities or I'm, I'm very interested in, you know, the questions of, of, um, of gender identity and of self-identification in terms of like how many languages do you speak and are you a polyglot or hyper polyglot I think there's a lot to be said there in terms of um, gender identity and feeling of confidence or ability to to amplify one's own abilities so um, I know that's something I'm looking forward to digging into more but I think what we've seen today and in general is just is just amazing so far. And I will say those specific questions about who is labeling themselves a polyglot a hyperglot a uh, a hobbyist divvied up by gender. We do have the information on that. It's a little too complicated to explain in the podcast, um, mm-hmm. but it will be in the link published or the, the day that this podcast goes live. I'm committing awesome. To so, yes, you're <laughs> so going to publish and I'm going to publish on the same day. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yes, okay, we're going to do it. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, that's that's what I got for you for now. No, well, thank you so much for that. That's, it, I'm, Honestly, I've been looking forward to this so much. And like, now that we've talked about it, all I want to do is read the rest of it. So I'm really looking forward to the rest of it coming out. And I'm hoping everybody else as they're finishing this episode is going to go to the link in the description of this episode or in Marissa's bio, um, if you're already on her Instagram page um, and check it out, see what else is there. Again, you know, just like Marissa said, if you're a teacher or if you're a student looking for teachers, you know, we hope that this empowers you to uh to sort of be more open within our community and more supportive of one another um before we close off for today we have to do the standard oh we have a guest thing even though you're my first guest um so marissa if you don't mind could you plug some of your stuff what are projects that you have (laughs) recently done what's coming out where can we find you yes yeah so this is a big thing that i've been focusing on this year um but the other project which is also a big project i don't know how i get all this done um (laughs) is i'm currently in the process of relearning my native language um and so if you want more in interesting fun stuff about that process about heritage languages in general about relearning a language that's maybe not your heritage language or learning a heritage language from scratch that you had no contact with um the blog is relearnalanguage.com 
You can also catch that same content on YouTube if you search relearn a language. And on Instagram, I make memes and post more personal space stuff as at multilingual Marissa. And if you like memes and you like feeling personally attacked about your study <laughs> habits i'll drag you all yeah follow me on instagram and i'll make fun of you to your face oh yeah marissa drags me <laughs> on a weekly basis it's not even a question at this point so um go follow her check out their stuff and uh yeah, as always, if you want to talk more about this stuff, obviously you can reach out directly to Marissa. You can go to the link in the description or the link in their bio. Um, or if you want to talk to me about something that I said or pose a question for a future episode, you can always reach out to me. My name is Polyglot Aaron uh, at gmail.com or on all major social media. And yeah, thank you for joining us today, Marissa. This has been a lot of fun. You and I just Thanks. like to talk anyway. So yes, thank you for letting me be your first guest. It yes. was awesome. Yeah, this is great. This is the this will go into into the annals of uh, of exhaling words. So, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next time. Bye.